You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and Hello, welcome, and to, welcome to, to Triviality, the, the game, game where lack of seriousness meets... A little bit of knowledge. Hey, uh, everybody got teamwork. it, except for Matt. I'm Hi, Matt. welcome to Trivia. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Matt was, was on a, a little lag, bit of lag there. A <laughs> little lag on the uh, Huge amount of lag. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Uh, we're here in the studio. This is our third episode without Matt in the studio. We're just going to keep saying it until uh, we, <laughs> we beat that, de- that dead horse. I think we beat it's done. the it's, dead horse last time he moved. Dead. The horse is already in the bed of a mafioso, so it's it's, been it's just going to be important to mark how when it's been more episodes of me not in the studio than me in the studio, and I think we're getting close because there's like two I years. I would have to think. Yeah. I think so. And Ken, you uh, came up with a great idea today, uh, which we'll probably be formulating right after we record this, and which means by the time this comes out, it'll probably be done. Which is uh, ranking the episode title names. Yeah. So I'd like to maybe do like ten at a time. Mm-hmm. We pick the top. Uh, of each like set of ten in order, and then like we'll do like a system? and then we'll do a bracket. That sounds good for the for the for the people to vote on. Yeah, so we'll do uh, a Google form or something. You can yeah fill it out. We'll do a certain number of time, like a month or something, and then we'll have a bracket for I don't know the holidays. Yeah, just which which names uh, tickle you. That sounds good. And literally, you know which uh, which uh, episode really tickled me? Episode one thirty four, the sting. The Sting. It was one of our. Personally, that's an episode I would just like to stay inside. You know, just stay inside that episode. Just stay in there. Don't, don't, uh, don't leave the episode. Well, there's no Matt in that episode, but we have Matt here today because uh, the reason we want to stay in that episode forever, we loved it so much because our friend Bryden Coverdale was on that episode. You may know him from the Chase Australia, known as the Shark. Uh, but he's uh, not only here uh, as a listener of Triviality, a Patreon supporter, which we appreciate, uh, but he's got a brand new book out called The Quiz Masters, Inside the World of Trivia, Obsession, and Million Dollar Prizes. Our friend Bryden, how are you? Yeah, thanks for having me again. Three three years it's been since I was on the show. Unbelievable. doesn't feel that long. Yeah, nothing happened in between, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing happened in between yeah, except, except time. for uh, pretty much <laughs> yeah. everything that could possibly have happened you know. <laughs> and you said uh your your new kid was born around the time that you did the original episode so you always have that as a yep. timestamp yeah that's right it was uh, we had i had uh, two kids at the time and the third was on the way not literally but uh but very close to it uh, so i can i can remember exactly when it was that we uh, recorded that 
And and what was it like having the two best days of your life right next to each other? Like <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. It might get usurped by today. Let's see. Let's just wait. All and see. right. Oh. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to, to go about it. So um, for people who don't know you, I know I said a couple of things up at the top, and we're super excited about your book. We have it on our way, on its way to the studio uh, to live here with us so we can look at your mug uh, every day, every time we record. <laughs> but um, tell people a little bit more about you and, and what the book's about. Yeah, so I'm uh, from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, uh, sort of a quiz and trivia nut from way back. I went on a lot of shows as a as a contestant in my youth, and then uh, the last seven years it's been now been uh, one of the chasers on the Chase Australia. I can't believe that's been going for seven years. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've I've now uh, got a book out just in the last few months called The Quiz Masters, which is uh, it sort of tells part of you know. Uh, my story about you know the, all the different shows I've been on, the the wins, the losses, you know the behind the scenes stuff on game shows, and a lot of the same sort of shows that you you have in the US, like you know Weakest Link, Millionaire, Wheel of Fortune, all those sorts of shows. Um, but it's also I don't know, a lot of your listeners might have read uh, Ken Jennings uh, wrote a book called Brainiac um, some years ago, which uh, in which he sort of went around and interviewed different people in different different parts of trivia. So it, it, it's similar in in that sense as well. I interview a lot of you know, either people who have won big or lost big, or uh, you know, there's a, a chapter about pub trivia, a chapter about um, Trivial Pursuit, and how that that came to be. So, just covers all sorts of uh, parts of trivia, and there's there's lots of like little um, footnoted, you know, uh, facts and quirky quirky um, quirky facts and, and questions that you can play along with as you go. So, yeah, I hope people enjoy it. I think I think it'll be up your listeners' alley. Yeah, sounds awesome. And and your nickname on the show is the shark. So what what kind of yep. shark would you be? Is is the question? What are we <laughs> what are we looking at here? Well, uh, I'm I'm tempted to say hammerhead, but I don't know what that says about me. That sounds me. good. It's, I uh, like that. Yeah, no, I yeah. like that choice. I, 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 I that's like the, the choice idea. that a seven-year-old would make. I always, yeah. I was always thinking hammerhead when I was a child. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's nice yeah, to keep how, that how many animals... sense of wonder, right? Yeah, how many animals have you know a head shaped like a hammer? It's pretty unique. Yeah. Well, uh, you're the shark, so me and Neil teaming up today, we're going to be the minnows because uh, we're not looking hopeful here. Right? That's right. That's right. And our competitors, Jeff and Matt, are going to be what? The Jets. The Jets, because that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, any uh, preference on the rules read? Oh, uh, look, I, I, I'd like a bit of uh, Gilbert Gottfried if you've got him. Got Gilbert two two episodes in a row. Two right? in a row. Yeah. Nice. All right. Let's bring the back the Gil. Triviality podcast is two rounds of twenty questions worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. All right, there it was. I think we're ready to play. I think so. Uh, I think uh, we're excited, Bryden. You got the ingredients. Uh, the cake batter has been uh, put together. It's time to bake. No. There's no <laughs> another week. catchphrase. <laughs> For reference, I tried a, a random catchphrase out last week, and it was a, a huge success. So I tried a new one today. Rousing right, success. Is, Neil, this is not the promised land. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Shake and bake, baby. Let's go. All right. Let's, let's bake this thing. All right. <laughs> Round one, question one. 
There she goes again. Despite her long and illustrious career, which 2018 film marked the first time Meryl Streep had ever appeared in a film sequel? So as much as I want this to be Sophie's choice. To <laughs> the choicening. Is it, uh, was she in both Mamma Mia's? I believe the plural oh, to Mamma Mia is Mamma Mia. Mama's right. Mia. Mama's Mia. Mama's Mia. <laughs> like Attorney's General. Right. Was there, was there a Devil Wears Prada sequel? I do not I believe about? there was a Devil Wears Prada Devil sequel. Wears Prado, where she takes down the uh, counterfeit Prada. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mamma Mia sounds good to me because uh, okay. I don't have anything better. So we'll lock in. With I that. don't either. Uh, we need the subtitle, please, of Mamma Mia too. Really? <laughs> no, I don't know. Not to Brighton. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay that. The correct answer is uh, Mamma Mia. Um, here, here we here go. Here we go here again. Yeah. That's what I would have guessed. Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the, the category name was there. She goes again. So was a little. Was that a Tal Bachman reference? I hope so. <laughs> it, no, it wasn't, there she wasn't goes to was, uh, cranberries. No, um, sixpence. Sixpence on the richer. I think you're right. Oh, yeah. there she goes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. Meryl Meryl Streep. I guess she just has so many uh, offers for acting roles that she doesn't really need to do sequels. But uh, for some reason, she agreed to do a small cameo at least in the in the second Mamma Mia. So. All right. Question two. Uh, category is checkmate. In 2008, chess legend Bobby Fischer died in which country that had granted him citizenship in 2005? It was the same country in which he had beaten Boris Spassky in a famous 1972 match that had been billed as a Cold War confrontation. Don't know about the war, but it would have been cold. All right. I think we can lock in if you don't have any other idea. If it's the one from the movie. The one that he hit out in. Yeah. All right. We're locked in. Okay. And I think Jeff caught my eye too. All right, Matt. So I I believe I actually um, had a, a gander through a some very small town in which he uh, he spent much of his time uh, later in life in Iceland, and uh, I I believe he may have died there as well. So that's what I'd like to no. go with. If uh, you're okay with that. Well, I have nothing better. I have never been to Iceland or wherever this was, so I'll I'll take your word for it. Okay, we are going to venture a guess and say Iceland. Yep, we're saying Iceland as well. Yes, it is Iceland. He was an Icelandic uh, citizen by the by the end of his life after sort of being persona non grata in the U.S. Um, later in life. But yes, Iceland is the correct answer. And like all Fisher clan, he's buried in the Phallus Museum. Yes, correct. <laughs> I hope to die in Iceland one day. Next year. <laughs> it's relatively easy. Apparently, tourists... Uh, Go tourists, too close to the waterfall. I think more tourists accidentally die than there are murders fall in the country. The, fall into the fissure. If any Icelandic... Well, I, 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 <laughs> I went to Iceland uh, more than 10 years ago, I think it was, and one of the things that I remember was that there was a pub that had a like a funeral parlor attached to it. It was essentially a joint business. It was like pub slash funeral parlor. So, well, um, you know. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, it's easy to die in Iceland. I guess they're, they're set up for it. <laughs> we have some <laughs> listeners. To, in, to live and die in Reykjavik. <laughs> that, that's a good movie. I think we have some listeners in Iceland, so maybe you go there and one of them will do you the favor of taking you out. Yeah, Put you down. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, reach out to us. <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. For a certain What's Patreon nice? level, you can put Ken down. <laughs> <laughs> push push Ken into self loss. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. All right, question number three. 
category is a worn-out recording. One-hit wonder Rupert Holmes had a 1979 hit with what song about a man who, while lying in bed with his partner, hatches a plan to cheat on her by advertising in the personal ads of a newspaper. Unbeknownst to him, his partner is also looking for a way out of the relationship and answers the ad, leading to a blind date between two people who are already in a relationship together. What is the title of this one-hit wonder? And I'll accept either the title or the um, or the, the bracketed subtitle that it's known by. This is the, the Pina Colada song, right? Absolutely, it is the Pina Colada song, which is the parentheses part that Ken doesn't want to accept. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it actually called but you are definitely correct that's it's fine we can, we, can, we can accept that it's fine <laughs> well, well, said I, we're, we're accepting it so i i did say that but you know i am i am happy to uh you know change the rules on the run and give a bonus for for giving the for giving the full answer the full answer as well oh no it's okay it, it was it was predetermined all right so you're going <laughs> pina colada song yes all right mm-hmm. i think it's called escape and i'm offended by the fact that being not into yoga was on his list. <laughs> <laughs> like, geez, man, relax. Yeah, it's the escape brackets, the pina colada song. And um, one of the things I love about this song is like, I'd always heard it and thought that, you know, the singer, you know, has this romantic kind of thing. He, he must kind of, you know, look like Fabio or something. But if you actually uh, find, you know, there's a, a YouTube video of him uh, singing it live on TV and he's this guy with glasses and a beard and a you know a sweater and a polo shirt underneath. He he looks exactly like your sort of eighth grade science teacher or something. Uh, he <laughs> does not done look a day of yoga in his life. No, no, that's right. Does not look like the man who who sings the song. And and also just the fact that the song is you know uh, about this this couple who are essentially trying to cheat on each other. It's like <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a bizarre plot. Anyway, this guy looks like he would sell you some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he'd either sell you some drugs or he's a book salesman for coding. <laughs> I I uh, I thought for some reason this was um what's his name Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy I never Buffett. knew it was someone oh, else. No, no, it's it's yeah. definitely someone else. It's definitely yeah. Rip, Rupert Holmes. And, um, actually, quite an interesting guy. And one of the reasons I wanted the Gilbert Gottfried read was um, on Gilbert's podcast. He uh, interviewed Rupert Holmes at one point, and it's a really really interesting episode. All the things that Rupert Holmes has done in his his life. So um, actually, worth Ooh. a listen. Oh, sweet. Door to door vacuum cleaner salesman. All right, number four. Uh, the category is my humps. As you may know, camels can have either one hump or two. A one-humped camel is a dromedary, which is easy to remember because if you were to turn the camel 90 degrees, its back would look like the letter D. Conversely, a two-humped camel is what species that is named for an ancient region of Central Asia? Lactin. Nice. I think these are Bactrian camels, Matt. Is that, yeah. Does that track? Um, yeah. Uh, makes sense. Um, I'm not too up to date on camels that are not Joe Camel, so <laughs> take your word for it. Are you up to date on Joe Camel? Well, he's retired, so oh, okay. what's he up to today? On. Still trying to sell cigarettes. He's on the ventilator. <laughs> probably get you to vape now. Probably. So you guys are going on uh, uh, Bactrian? Yes. Okay. You said Bactrian as well. Yep, the correct answer is Bactrian, and I, I, I just love that you can, if you can't remember which one is which, yeah, a, a, the Bactrian looks like a B on its side with the two humps, yeah, the dromedary looks oh. like a D, so it's an easy, easy way to remember it. That's how I will, I will remember it. That. Yeah, <laughs> one of those things somebody told me, and I was like, oh, great, I'm never going to forget that again. All right, question five. 
a hat-trick of successes. Born in Hawaii in 1920, Harold Sakata was a successful weightlifter who won a silver medal for the USA at the 1948 Olympics, before also becoming a popular professional wrestler in the 1950s. However, he is best remembered today for his razor-sharp performance in an iconic 1964 film. Name either the film or the character that he played. No, no, uh, we can lock in. Okay. So Matt and I were talking a bit about it. Uh, we obviously aren't catching the clue here, um, but we think uh, something razor sharp might have been in Seven Samurai. So okay, well, not, I think not that, a bad guess. That's about uh, that's close. What if I said that if you picked this character in a certain video game, I would claim you were cheating, Neil? Yeah, we tip our cap to your uh, trying to get the answer. Odd job uh, from Goldfinger. Oh, no way. Yes, and the, the, the category name was a hat trick of successes. Yeah, it's Odd Job mm. from Goldfinger. He was a weightlifting Olympic medalist in real life. Amazing. I did not know that. That's really cool. Well, the scores are looking pretty good so far. So far, these have been right over the plate for us. We have uh, 50 points at the Minnows and 40 points, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 40 points for the Jets. So play it cool. And we'll see real how it cool. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to question six. The category is non-American sporting champions. Basketball star Steve Nash was born to a Welsh mother and an English father, was raised in Canada, holds joint Canadian-British citizenship and played his entire career in the USA. But he was born in which other country, whose other sporting stars include golfer Ernie Els, cricketer Makaya Antini, and tennis player Amanda Kurtzer? Neil, I'll leave it to you. I think I know where Ernie Els is uh, from. We can lock in. Is this South Africa, Matt? I believe Ernie Els is South African. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. I don't know. I don't know about the other ones, but I'm pretty sure. And I had no idea that Steve Nash was born in South Africa. That's crazy. Okay, we got one South Africa. Yeah, and I remember speaking of the shark uh, when I was a kid. I used to have a lot of Greg Norman stuff and uh, other golfers. I was like, oh, this one's from South Africa. And it was Ernie Els. That's what we said, South Africa. Yeah, the correct answer is South Africa. I didn't know whether that would be a well-known fact that Steve Nash was born in South Africa, but he was born in Johannesburg. Yeah. Wow. It was not. We we both got it on the merit of one of the hints, I guess. Well, I'm glad, yeah. I, glad I threw in, a, threw in a few hints anyway then. <laughs> what a world traveler that never traveled on the court. yeah all right uh question number seven uh one thing john lennon couldn't do ringo Starr was not necessarily the most visionary member of the beatles but in 1991 he was the first member of the group to do what the remaining living beatles paul and george would both go on to do this over the following decade well ringo this is 91 i think that's around the time of uh, Thomas, right? Would this be maybe like win a daytime Emmy or be nominated or be on a kid's show? George didn't have too much time after that, only a few years. Because I think he passed in like 94. Um, I don't know if that helps you at all, but... Um... Well, he, he said George and Paul would do it later. Is that what he said? Yeah. So decade. this could it could be be Ringo was on The Simpsons and Paul and George were later on The Simpsons and I think that might be the answer and I'm wearing a Simpsons shirt. So I like I it. Go for, 
I like so it. I, I think it's a peer on The Simpsons. Oh, I'm good with that. That's not, not a bad guess. I'm thinking it's uh, be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame times two. Interesting couple of answers there. And the correct answer is appear on The Simpsons. What? Yeah. Great poll. Ringo yeah, was the Marge, first. Marge would uh, draw pictures of him and uh, would yeah. send it to him. And that was when he was on it. Yeah, she she wrote him letters in like the sixties, and then he finally got around to answering answering them like two days later. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I hung um, it on me wall. Yeah, I wonder has uh, has Ringo been inducted twice? I wonder I so for the the Friends Band in, in recent years, perhaps. But um, uh, yeah, I, I just, imagine it, it, it's just interesting because back in those early Simpsons days, you had a lot of celebrities not wanting to put their name to it to the show, but Ringo was like, "Yep, no, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm looking for work." Mm-hmm. All right, question eight. It's all in the name. In 2018, who became the first Australian driver to win the Indianapolis 500 race? He shares his full name, that is first name and surname, with a trait that he would have needed in order to win the race. One of Merriam-Webster's definitions of this particular trait is a strong determination that allows one to do something difficult. Jeff, you're into the into the cars a little bit, right? I have a. I'll lock in a guess if you if you don't think you've got it. This is kind of a joke, but I think it works. So if he's Australian, that would be the thing that's surprising to me because the rest of it does fit. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So my thinking was uh, the movie Rush, which is pretty underrated. But I remember Chris Hemsworth is Australian, but he was playing a Brit. Mm. And I was thinking who that guy was, but he's a Brit. He's not Australian. So I, I like your answer. So yeah, just based on the definition, I think the guy's name has to be Will Power. Oh, uh, you snakes. Yeah, Will Power is, in fact, a racing driver. I think I'm not going to get a wordplay. And that's what we guessed, Will Power. <laughs> yes, Will Power is correct. Then he is Australian, first Australian to win the uh, Indianapolis 500. All right, question nine, American geography. What is the only one of New York City's five boroughs that is located predominantly on the U.S. mainland? It's a Neil question. I'm pointing to the first base uh, umpire here. <laughs> we can lock in. Okay. Predominantly on the U.S. mainland. So is that where famous original sales is? <laughs> I don't know. But I know, so Staten Island is an island, so I would imagine not on the mainland. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, Manhattan is an island, right? Um, yeah. I was thinking Brooklyn. I was too. But there's a bridge. Because Maybe uh, it's a bridge out of there. Yeah, it could be the bridge to Manhattan from there, because Queens and um, the Bronx are both on Staten Island, right? So I think I think you're right with Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, let's go Brooklyn. Brooklyn is the uh, biggest, uh, but I believe you'd have to take the six train like J Lo to the Bronx. Yeah, the correct answer is the Bronx because uh, Brooklyn and Queens are both on Long Island. Oh, I had it backwards. Yeah. But uh, the interesting thing about this, uh, (laughs) I I just, I just, there's another just fact that I like, I like here, which is why I included the question. Um, I had to say predominantly on the US mainland because there's a tiny part of Manhattan that's also on the mainland. It's called Marble Hill. And I just really like this, this fact that was originally essentially the northern tip of Manhattan Island until they, uh, they built um, the Harlem, uh, Harlem Ship Canal through which cut it off from uh, Manhattan Island 
And then what they did was they they filled in the river that was to the north of it, which actually jo- joined it up to the mainland. So so there's this little section that was originally part of Manhattan Island, then it became an island of its own, and then it got joined to the mainland, and it's still part of Manhattan officially. Not such a simple tale as it turns out. <laughs> All right, let's get the last question of round one. Category is three people who have never been in my kitchen. What is the specific connection between the 39th president of the USA the man who assassinated Martin Luther King, and the legendary American actor who played Hoke the Chauffeur in the 2013 Australian theatre tour of Driving Miss Daisy. Okay, uh, me and Neil uh, put our heads together and we're locked in. So the 39th president of the US is Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, MLK's assassin was James Earl Ray. And I'm sensing a pattern here because I think Jimmy Carter's middle name is Earl. Which makes me mm-hmm. think that maybe James Earl Jones was the actor. So maybe these are all James Earls. Yeah, I that makes sense to me. Uh, all that works, and we can lock in with that. Yeah, uh, we had the uh, similar discussion. I only went from it from the actor angle, gave kind of James Earl Jones, and he reasoned that uh, the others had James Earl in their names. Yeah, you t- took a bit of thinking time, but you all got there in the end. Yeah, James Earl Carter is Jimmy Carter's real name. Uh, James Earl Ray was the assassin, and James Earl Jones. I was uh, lucky enough to go and see him and uh, Angela Lansbury in uh, the Driving Miss Daisy um, theater wow. production oh, cool. here in Melbourne, which was uh, nearly ten years ago. But yeah, what a that cast. was pretty cool. Yeah, That's a great cast. A wow! And then yep. she solved a murder of <laughs> of the chauffeur. That's right. Yeah, yeah. all all in one. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes the first round. Very strong showing by both teams. The minnows up uh, 90 to 80. Yeah, and uh, Bryden is a Patreon supporter, like we mentioned. So if you'd like to join him and help supporting the show, we'd uh, very much appreciate it. One of our Patreon supporters, uh, who is also Australian, but from Sydney, not Melbourne, Jasper Bruce. He's been on the show before. Let's go Swans. Uh, yeah, he he uh, he reached out to us. Uh, actually, uh, our book is on the way from Bryden, but he sent us a wonderful picture of a little passage Bryden wrote about us, which uh, really touched our hearts. So we appreciate that, Bryden, that you put us in your book. No, absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. Jasper actually, he's uh, been yeah, been on the chase, I believe, as well uh, as a contestant. Um, yep. But yes, uh, there's a little section in the book where I talk about just all the different the different ways that you know people uh, engage in in trivia and uh online quiz leagues and all sorts of things and yeah i talk about podcasts and um and you guys and and uh, trivia warfare being the two that i sort of have have really stuck with over a long period of time and um and i just i just yeah i, I wanted to sort of express that you know um having ha- having the chance to you know go on the show and host and you guys are there in chicago i'm here in melbourne it, it just um it it just shows how things like trivia, a hobby like that, can just bring bring similar minded people together from all around the world, and it, you know it feels like feels like we're all friends in the, the you know the triviality community, even though most of us have never met. So, That's thank you guys for uh, do, for right? sort of creating that. Yeah, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, thank you for mentioning that. And, and that's uh, all thanks to our patrons, including you. So if you'd like to join uh, Bryden, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast and keep the connections growing. Just want to say if that... If you want to uh, write about us in your book, you can do that too. Anyone else <laughs> is writing a book? I just want to say we recently fulfilled a wager where we, Matt and I, joust with baguettes, and it is needlessly overproduced. <laughs> and uh, I'm very proud of it. Um the, uh, the direction that went into it and the time spent for what ended up being about a minute and a half is much more than you could imagine. Um, but we had a lot of fun with it. 
There's some wonderful split diopter Neil, shots. Yeah. Neil, Neil did a, a great job uh, with the edit and um, couldn't be more proud uh, of something so incredibly stupid, which uh, I think if we had a second tagline yeah. would be that. Yeah, so. and you can check that out on the Patreon exclusive. Or All at right. the uh, Cannes Film Festival. I believe you're submitting it, right? <laughs> <laughs> might see it at Cannes. Um, okay, well, that leads us into the swing round. What do we have today? All right, for the swing round, uh, I'm going to give you um, 10 clues and following on from uh, from a question that involved Jimmy Carter, this is 10 clues where the answers are all also the surnames of US presidents. So you've got to uh, fit fit a president's surname to each clue. I think, okay. I think most of these, these will be pretty gettable, but uh, let's see how we go. Number one, the name of the band that had a 1995 hit with the song Glycerine. Number two, the name of the New York City neighborhood that is also called Hell's Kitchen. Number three, the name of a relay event in track cycling that is contested in the Olympics. Number four, the brand of tennis balls used at the US Open. Number five, the first word in the name of the main stadium at the US Tennis Open. Number six, any individual card from a suit that holds special high ranking in games such as Euchre and Bridge. Number seven, the car that fictional character Mickey Haller notably uses in a series of novels. Number eight, the city in which you could find the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Number nine, the most famous creation of Jim Davis. And number 10, a somewhat old-fashioned slang euphemism for the male genitalia. <laughs> all right, that's all we wanted to hear. Uh, and we will be right back with our answers. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. The question is, which president was that? <laughs> Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw 
Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she was, or call the police or call the police like she should have. <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. All answers are now locked in, so let's hear the clues one more time and see how we did. I think we did pretty well. Pretty well. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first one was the name of the band that had a 1995 hit with the song Glycerine. Bush. Yep, big fan of Gavin Rossdale. Um, Lisa Bush. Yes, that's uh, Bush is correct. Uh, number two, the name of the New York City neighborhood that is also called Hell's Kitchen. We uh, went with Clinton. Mm, we discussed Clinton, but then we knew that Washington Heights was a place, so we said Washington. And Clinton is the correct answer there. Yeah, they've been trying not number to call it Hell's Kitchen forever, but it just stuck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Number three, the name of a relay event in track cycling that is contested in the Olympics. By far the hardest one, and not sure if we got it. Uh, we just went with Ford. We too said Ford. Interesting that you're both gone with the uh, the same answer. It is not the correct answer. Um, <laughs> the correct answer is the uh, they cycle race is called the Madison. Mm. Uh, okay. And I believe it's called that because it was first contested at Madison Square Gardens. Oh, okay. Um, number four, the brand of tennis balls used at the U.S. Open. Uh, Wilson. Yep, we assume this is probably Wilson's. Yes, it is Wilson's. And the first word in the name of the main stadium for the U.S. Open. I think it's Arthur Ashe Stadium. So we said Arthur. Yeah, we agree. It is Arthur Ashe Stadium. So we said Chester A. Arthur. Yes, Arthur is correct. Um, any individual card from a suit that holds special high ranking in games like Euchre and Bridge. Uh, Trump. Yeah, I used to. I was writing questions about euchre because I can never remember how to actually play the game, but I know that trump cards are very important in them. They are indeed. Yes, it's Trump is correct. Uh, the car that fictional character Mickey Haller notably uses in a series of novels. It's a Lincoln. It's the Michael Connelly extended universe. <laughs> we we figured since uh, Neil seemed very enthusiastic about the question, <laughs> it had to be a Lincoln. Yes, it's the the Lincoln Lawyer series, and I know I knew that Neil was into that series, and so am I. I think they're they're just wonderful books, really. They're, they're just they are. so so readable. Uh, the city in which you'd find the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, Drew Carey would claim that it rocks. We said Cleveland. Indeed, Thank you, Matt. Is that is the exact flavor text I would have added. <laughs> uh, the most famous creation of Jim Davis. One with Garfield. You would know. Hater of Mondays. Yeah, we said Garfield. Yep, absolutely. Garfield is correct. And a somewhat old-fashioned uh, slang euphemism for male genitalia. I was hoping that there, you know, there might be, uh, you know, some some other options that could could sound interesting here. But I think I think it was a yeah one that you good uh, choice nailed down pretty easily. It was a good choice, uh, Johnson. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we weren't really sure on this one, so we just went with the Lucky Johnson. <laughs> yes, correct. Very well done. Uh, so the Madison, uh, the one that tripped you up. It was the only uh, one that got both of us. So Yeah. How many did you get, 40? Yeah, so um, our team got 40 points, uh, eight correct in that round, bringing our score to 120 points. And uh, I believe you guys added 45 to extend your lead to 135. Correct. Excellent. Let's proceed. All right, round two. This looks good on your resume. Nicola Heaton is the current holder, and Mohamed Sagir, Penny Griggs, and Brian Grocock are other recent holders of what official position in the UK? This is a position that has existed since the 15th century and is well known throughout the world, although the current job description promoting the city as a destination for visitors, for short breaks, conferences, business, and shopping, does seem to have been watered down somewhat. Matt, I think I've got a good answer if you won't trust me on this. I trust you. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe. I just wrote the, the watered-down clue on my paper, and then Neil uh, finished the uh, alley-oop, and he wrote down... Beef eater. Oh, beef eater is a great answer. Um, I think that these were all the right honorable Lord Mayor of the City of London at one point. Both good guesses. And unfortunately, you went searching for a clue where I hadn't actually intended to put one in. I'm sorry about that. Um, This uh, position is Sheriff of Nottingham. uh, Question two, character connections. Vera Peterson, Stan Walker, and Bob Sacamano. What is the most notable characteristic shared by these sitcom characters? Oh, uh, I think we can lock in. All right, these fellows locked in right away. I think Bob Sacamano is from Seinfeld, right? Yeah, I just I'm trying to remember what what situation yeah. was he the dentist? No, that's um, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, but his name was. Uh, um, Oh gosh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Bob Sacamano. Can you remember that? I I just read about Bob Sacamano. Um they they don't he's not on the show, I don't think. They just talk about him. Mm-hmm. My friend Bob's oh, it's uh Kramer. Kramer talks about him. My friend Bob Sacamano or whatever. Um he says I bet they none of they they, they don't they, appear. They don't appear. They're only talked about. That's okay. my guess. All right. Dr. Tim Watley for the record. Tim Watley. Yeah, anti-dentite. Or no, Jerry's anti-dentite. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Vera is Norm's wife who's never on the show. I think you could probably throw Maris into this from Frasier, but mm. these are characters that were mentioned but never seen on the show. Yeah, that's right. Unseen characters, uh, essentially, for, for all intents and purposes, never seen. I think Vera Peterson in Cheers, you do see her sort of without Shadow. seeing her face at some point, but you certainly never <laughs> her see back her face. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so she's um, Norm's wife who he's always complaining about. Bob Sacamano is uh, Kramer's friend who is always up to some sort of scheme, but you never see him. And uh, Stan Walker in um, in Will and Grace, he is uh, Karen's husband who uh, mm. you know, he's, uh never seen as well. So well done, got there. Uh, question three, the former Soviet Union. There are currently 15 independent countries that were previously part of the Soviet Union. The two most populous are Russia and Ukraine, but which country is third on the list with approximately 35 million people? 
This nation also pops up in trivia due to being one of only two countries in the world that is double landlocked. Well, Jeff's got this one locked in. Poor Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Is it uh, the double landlocked? Was it Kazakhstan? Oh, that sounds familiar. Or Uzbekistan. No, I think Kazakhstan because the population's huge. We're going to go with Kazakhstan. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds good with me. Very nice. <laughs> um, Ken, you should have stuck with your original guess. Uh, we're going to Uzbekistan. Yes, it is Uzbekistan. It's actually surprisingly uh, high population. I, th- I thought Kazakhstan would be much higher, but uh, Uzbekistan is uh, third after Russia and Ukraine. You said 35 million? Yeah. Wow. That's Kazakhstan single landlocked? Yes. I still don't Jeff, understand yeah, landlocked should... when you all talk about it, but I just nod like I do. Okay, I'll explain it to you uh, after this <laughs> at bedtime, please. Yeah. When I and, you and Jeff, can you remember the other country, the other country the in the world that's uh, double landlocked? Liechtenstein. Correct. <laughs> oh, you have to pay for that, Jeff. <laughs> no, no bonus points. <laughs> <laughs> to pay for. It. <laughs> uh, question four. Uh, the category is footwear. Advertising executive Henry Nelson McKinney is often credited with coming up with what name in 1917 for a particular type of shoe? Grandpa Simpson could tell you what this term is and why. Where's where's the Simpsons thing coming in here? Abe Simpson, what does he know? He knows a lot. Yeah, because it was he had a tiny onion on his belt because it was the style of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this has anything to do with onions. Probably not. Uh, maybe it's like sneaker. Maybe it's uh, like gym shoe. So I we have. I don't think we have anything on the on the Abe Simpson thing, which is unfortunate. Um, but what about gym like shoe? sneaker or gym shoe? Maybe he said that these shoes are to be used in the gym. There's more indoor gyms at the time, possibly. Yeah, gymnasiums were a thing that were starting to come around then. Yeah, people were really into that. I, I buy it. Yeah, let's go gym shoe. As the listeners know, I know nothing about The Simpsons, but uh, I was trying to think of shoes that were very, very old. And uh, thankfully, Bryden had a clue in the question. Like all of his questions today have been great. And he said coining. And I said, what about a penny loafer? So that's what we locked in with. Uh... <laughs> well, unfortunately, no no points here. That was a no. very good, uh, very very good answer. Um, but there's a there's a Simpsons episode uh, where um, there's a cat burglar named Malloy, and mm-hmm. uh, and Grandpa Simpson works out who it is because he wears sneakers for sneaking. Oh, oh. sorry, Matt. It was sneakers. I felt good about Dang. that too. I felt good about it too. Uh, number five. Memorable dates. The earliest known Christian era coin to feature the date printed on it is a Danish coin dated what year? I think Coolio wrote a song about this, although he really should have subtitled it something old. Uh, Based on the Coolio clue, I think I know it. Okay. I'm going to trust you. I just keep thinking of the the number nineteen ninety four, but that's just like one of his lyrics, so it's not going to help us out. Um, Is there a Coolio song that's coming to mind? No, something new. It's probably. I mean, I I remember buying a Coolio album that had uh, no parental advisor on it, and I returned it because I wanted the swearing when I was in like fifth grade. And yeah. So you got nothing, Neil? I have nothing. 
All right, we got to tap out, or we'll say 1994. Yeah, like sure. You wanted. Right. Okay. Well, the Coolio clue was uh, he had a song called One, Two, Three, Four, in which he wanted you to get someone on the floor afterwards. Um, so 1234, I'm guessing, is the year. Sounds good to me. Yes, uh, Matt. Matt picked up on the clue very nicely. The year is one, two, three, four, twelve, thirty-four. That happens to be the the first year that uh, that a coin has the uh, the year dated on it, which mm. I thought was cool. cool. That's what I was singing in my head, but I didn't even put that together that it would be twelve thirty-four. That's why I asked you to slow <laughs> down and think about yeah. it. Yeah, because that was the <laughs> that was the dare video I posted. We posted at the end of the one episode where I'm singing. I'm going one, two, three, four. Put your guns on the floor. It was a dare. I asked or put you your what the song was called. <laughs> I know. And you refused yes. to tell so, so was, I couldn't think the of the name of the song. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, brackets, something new is the yeah. actual name of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get your drugs up off the floor. You got to get them to get down. <laughs> All right. So um, it looks like it's up or get down, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Score update. Yep. It looks like uh, team the Jets uh, picking up 30 points there, uh, bringing their total of 150. And this has not been a good first half of a second round for us. We only picked up 10 points, and now there's a lead change because we're only at 145. All right, question six. Your category is mysterious characters. One of the most famous characters in 20th century literature, which character featured in 33 novels and more than 50 short stories was described by his author and creator as a detestable, bombastic, tiresome, egocentric little creep and when killed off by the author in 1975, became the first fictional character to be the subject of a front-page obituary in the New York Times. We are locked in. Poirot. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Well, I I was thinking it wasn't Sherlock, because no. I think Conan Doyle would have passed long before 75 to write him off. Um. Mm-hmm. But I don't know I can't about think of Agatha Christie. Else. Yeah. Do you want to just yeah, go with uh, Poirot? Yes, let's go with that. And plus, Neil locked in right away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The final book, uh, Curtain, uh, Agatha Christie wrote uh, when she was younger and put it in a drawer and kept it there, so that way uh, her sanity, her her whatever you want to call it, her um, writing skills wouldn't deteriorate by the time she wrote the final novel. And uh, yeah, we said Poirot. Yes, the answer is Hercule Poirot. Uh, he dies in the last to... one. Yeah, I mean, That's look, spoiler, spoiler alert, but it, you know, it is. Uh, he has it one final case. Years ago. <laughs> his own, <laughs> his own. Yeah, actually, I haven't read that one. I'm saving it to is be the he last one. The case is a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's so good. He's so good that he solves it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm there, saving it. So. Hercule Poirot's <laughs> hardest case yet. His own. <laughs> Sounds like a CBS uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly does. Mon ami, je suis désolé. <laughs> Question seven. Really, really, really old people. <laughs> the oldest person ever with officially recognized birth documents was Frenchwoman Jeanne Calmont, who died in 1997 at what age? And I'll give you one year either way. I feel like we were discussing it, and I think it's like around that period. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll lock in. Matt, I believe she was um, 121, approaching 122. 
somewhere in that yeah, range. Yeah, and this one was semi disputed as well, right? Where there's some questions yeah, about I kind of remember there was birth certificate. Or yeah, I remember. Like I think I brought that up on a previous episode. Where it was potentially contentious, but yeah, I don't but think it's we, ever we, been disputed. We accused you of potentially slandering her for no reason, I believe. Well, <laughs> I think my favorite story is she claimed to have met Van Gogh and said he was like a like a horrid man or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we're gonna guess uh, 121. We said 120. Well, I gave you one year either way. The answer is 122. Oh, so 121 will score you a point because I'm generous. 120 doesn't quite get you there, so. Couldn't remember um, if she was approaching or had passed 122. Yeah. This is not good. Around. We were so close. This is not good. We dominated through the whole game, and this is not good. And we're like Poirot here on we're our last off. breath. <laughs> That's all right. He always brings it together in the end, doesn't he? So, you know. He does. That's true. It was high cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> he does uh, love his sweets. So, mm-hmm. Question eight. Famous families. In 1965, American diplomat Henry Richardson Labouis Jr. accepted the Nobel Peace Prize on behalf of UNICEF, of which he was the director. But Nobel Prizes were nothing new to his family. His late sister-in-law had already won a Nobel Prize. His late brother-in-law had already won a Nobel Prize. His late father-in-law and his late mother-in-law had both won Nobel Prizes. Into which famous family had he married? Oh, I know this one. Excellent. We shall lock in. Locked in. The Clooney's? <laughs> I'm more interested in knowing who the black sheep of the family was who did not win a Nobel Prize and they just were just a normal person. Ha ha, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Tom. together. Thanks for teaching kids in high school, Tom. <laughs> This is a bad. I mean, I'm I'm not good with science, but didn't the Curies? Didn't they? Wasn't a husband and a wife both won a Nobel Prize? They did. Yeah. I don't know if any other family members of them had. We could say that. That's not a horrible idea. Okay. Because it knocks out two at least. Right. That's why I, I was trying to think of a, a multiple here. I believe her daughter did win as well. All right. We'll say Curie. And her daughter won and joked that there were five winners in the family. It's the Curies. It is the Curies. Yes, that's right. So um, uh, Pierre and Marie Curie uh, won early in the 20th century. Uh, Their daughter, Irene, and her husband, Frederick, they won together for chemistry. And uh, then Henry accepted for UNICEF. And who who was the black sheep? Well, it was his his wife, Eve Curie, who um, was the other the, the other daughter who didn't win a Nobel Prize. You know, I mean, that is a Oscar bait waiting to be written. The other daughter, <laughs> Eve Curie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I th- think she had the satisfaction though about leaving them all. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, so well, there you go. She's cursed their name that. and threw out their Nobel Peace Prize. So or the movie's Nobel just called Eve. Eve. <laughs> Dawn of That's right. Curie. Not so noble now, Daddy. <laughs> Nobel. <laughs> Not so. <laughs> Not so noble now. <laughs> In fact, I think she lived. Uh, I'm just going to look this up because I think she. She's um, 123. She's the new oldest woman. I believe. Not, not it's far almost she, always she, an old she, Japanese she did, woman now. She did live to be 102 years old. Wow. wow. Uh, and so the other, you know, her parents, you know, died from, you know. Radiation, radiation poisoning and all that sort of stuff. So she, she, she really did have the last laugh, didn't she? She didn't die until 2007. Hmm. All right. Question nine. Twice the twain did meet. 
1909, correctly predicting his impending death, Mark Twain wrote, I came in with blank in 1835. It is coming again next year, and I expect to go out with it. It will be the greatest disappointment of my life if I don't go out with blank. The Almighty has said, no doubt, now here are these two unaccountable freaks. They came in together. They must go out together. What fills the blank? Matt, I know this. We can lock in. All right. In fact, I had it as a crossword clue uh, earlier today. I think uh, it's the comet named after the lead singer of Paramore. <laughs> Shut up, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Halley's, not Haley, but I think it's Halley's comet. I think it's a comet, I think you talked about. Okay. Is that the one that comes around every like 30 years or whatever? Something like that. Something like that. I think, I think that's it, what I think it is. more than that. But. I'm feeling juiced up right now. I'm feeling good. I normally okay. I, I'm not feeling good during trivia, but I feel pretty strong Did right now. Did you just see Haley's comet? <laughs> <laughs> I saw Haley Williams do a cover of Dua Lipa, which made my mind explode. All right. Okay. I was not uh, around the last time it came around. So, um, but yeah, we too said Haley's comet. Yeah, that is the correct answer. I I was about. Four or five years old, I think, when it came around last time. So I do remember sort of standing outside the house and looking up and probably seeing it, I guess, with, with the family. Um, but yeah, I think it's every, what, 76 years or something like something that? Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I just love that uh, quote from Mark Twain. It's uh, you know, two unaccountable freaks must go out. Whatever to happened to him sounds like a good good writer or something. Whatever happened to him? He died. <laughs> he, uh, he died in 1910. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> question number 10 confusing terminology what part of the human body shares its name with sailors terminology for the toilet on a ship it's uh, also a part of the, your body from which you might be likely to pull this answer uh, i mean the sailor's toilet is the privy right the privy i think you're privy to that answer maybe I'd, you would pull an answer out of your privy I mean, I've never heard that as a body part, but are your privates private privy? Um, it's not. Well, we know it's not poop deck. It's not. There's no ass end of a ship, right? Swat. That's not a term. Ass end no, of a no, ship. No, not the ass end. No. <laughs> Pull the ass end around. <laughs> I believe it's the stern. Mm. You don't um, have to say it so meanly. Um, <laughs> so sternly. So sternly. Uh, yeah, we'll say the privy. Privy. Matt, I just think this is the head. Oh, hit the head, oh. right? I, yeah. I believe uh, they used to um, attempt to urinate off the front of the ship and hit the like statues that might have been carved into the front and the bow. That's where that phrase comes from. I'm going to go hit the head. Yep. Uh, oh wow! Aiming to pee on the the carvings, I believe. Our uh, our, our we're not baking it up right now. You know what I'm saying, Neil? I'm not baking right now. We're not. We're not baking. You're right. We put the wrong amount of flour. That's for sure. The privy so, is a toilet, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you try and cook with your ass end. So. All right. <laughs> Is it the head? The correct answer is the head. And I said it's the only part of the body from which you might you know, pull the answer. And Jeff correctly did that. He pulled the answer from his head. You guys tried to pull yours from somewhere else and got it wrong. <laughs> this goes to show. After regulation, it looks like team... Uh, what's the our, Jets. No, what's our team name? Minnows. The Minnows. The Minnows. Uh, poor, poor showing here. Uh, we're only at 175. We only picked up an extra 30 points there. And uh, yeah, Team the Jets is in the lead right now uh, with uh, 200 points. We needed a little extra energy to get going, but now that we're there, we're we're firing on all cylinders. We're not, we're not baking we right now. Uh, let's hope we don't and burn. fumble it away in the final. <laughs> Speaking of the final, what are the categories? 
All right, the categories are, and uh, these questions all relate in some way to little facts that came come up in my in my book that I discuss for one reason or another. And what's the, first, the title of your book again, Braden? Uh, it is called The Quizmasters, available on uh, Amazon and Book Depository, I believe. And uh, I think there should be an ebook uh, out probably around the time that this podcast comes out. First category is the devils in the detail. Second, yippee kaye. Third. Non-American football. Fourth, the space race. And fifth, television settings. Matt, we've been doing pretty well. I feel pretty good. Let's just go for it. What do you think? Uh, 100%. All right. 100%. I feel good about these categories on behalf of Neil. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. A lot of these seem like they're in your category. So I think we too should go in on it. All right, let's let's go in. Let's. This is what I'm thinking. I think we uh we just put all the eggs we have left into the bowl, mix it basket. up in the basket. Oh, into the bowl. Into right. the bowl with the flour. With the flour and the, the sugar. sugar, a little brown sugar, a little mm-hmm. vanilla extract. Yep. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. We're gonna make one great Victoria sponge. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, here is your first question in the final round. The devil's in the detail. Most Australians don't know it, but the shortest land border shared by any two Australian states is an 85-metre border on a rocky outcrop in the middle of Bass Strait. The result of a 19th-century map-making error, this boundary is shared by my home state of Victoria and which island state? Yippee-ki-yay. The film Die Hard was based on a novel by author Roderick Thorpe. This novel was a sequel to an earlier book by Thorpe that had been adapted into a 1968 film called The Detective. As a hangover from that earlier film, the studio was contractually obligated to offer the role of John McClane to the actor who had starred in The Detective in 1968, which then 70-year-old superstar politely turned down the role. Third question is non-American football. Proposed by a historian in the 1970s to show which is the dominant football code in different parts of Australia, the Barassi Line is an imaginary line that stretches roughly from halfway across Australia's north coast all the way down to the far southeastern corner of the country. In the geographical majority of the country, Aussie rules football is dominant, but in the heavy, heavily populated northeastern corner, which other football code is preferred? And I warn you that a one-word answer will not be enough. Question four, the space race. The first person to perform a spacewalk was Soviet cosmonaut Alexei Leonov, who did so in 1965. The alternative history TV series For All Mankind reimagines history to have Leonov also become the first person on the moon, which alters the space race dramatically. In real life, the first American to perform a spacewalk was which astronaut who died in the Apollo 1 fire and who shares his first name with the main astronaut character in For All Mankind, played by Joel Kinnaman. And question five, television settings. One of the most memorable moments in the early days of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Australia was when the network brought in Richard Hatch for a celebrity special, only to have him bomb out at the $500 level when he was asked what was what was 11 times 12 and locked in 123. It was quite a come down for Richard Hatch, who just a few months earlier had won $1 million on the first season of Survivor, which was filmed in what country? All right, we have the questions, and we will be back with our best answers. 
Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Uh, That tone means that the answers are in, and we'll see how this goes. It is anybody's game. And just for the record, uh, both teams have wagered 30s on all questions. Yeah, teams have done pretty well today, so I'm not surprised by that. Uh, the first question, the devil's in the detail. Uh, the shortest land border in Australia, an 85-metre border in Bass Strait shared by Victoria and what island state? The category is devil in the detail, so we got to go with Tasmania. Well, we didn't even get that clue, but we know it's an island state, so we said Tasmania. And uh, yes, Tasmania is the correct answer. Question two was uh, Yippie Kaye, the uh, 70-year-old superstar who politely turned down uh, the role of John McClane in Die Hard. This is some classic trivia here. Uh, We said uh, Frank Sinatra. And we also said Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank Sinatra is correct. It would have been a very different movie, but I'd still have watched it if Frank Sinatra was John (laughs) McClane. Still walking over glass. (laughs) Yippie Kaye. (laughs) (laughs) Question three, non-American football. The um, Looking for the two-word uh, name of the football code that is dominant in the northeast of Australia. So I can't remember if it's rugby union or rugby league. I know we, we spoke of Jasper earlier. He talked about covering this. Um, I kind of said go with your gut. Union to me sounds like it's English. So we said rugby league. Yeah, we were pretty sure that rugby union is the popular sport in New Zealand, so we went with rugby league. Yeah, rugby union, very big in New Zealand. Um, Less big in Australia, rugby league is the correct answer. There's some slight differences, you know, 13 players versus 15, a little bit of, you know, differences in the scoring, but uh, to a lot of outsiders, it would look like much the same sport. Uh, question four, the, uh, the space race, um, we're looking for the first American to perform a spacewalk who died in the Apollo one fire and who shares his first name with the main astronaut character in for all mankind. Well, um, this question might be the crux of the game. Um, I've seen a couple movies about the space race, like first man and the right stuff. And there's an explosion in it. I pulled the first name 
Gus, but I couldn't quite pull the last name except for the last name White. So we answered White. And we did go with Gus Grissom, not knowing if that was the correct answer. Very, very interesting. Um, the character, uh, played by Joel Kinnaman in For All Mankind, his name is Ed Baldwin, and the answer is Ed White. Whoa! Oh, wow. Where did that? Well come pulled. From? That was a that Killer was a good get. And the final question, uh, asking for the country in which the first season of Survivor was filmed, where Richard Hatch won a million dollars. Uh, we went with Borneo. Uh, we too went with Borneo. Uh, it was filmed in Borneo. I I was going for the country because Borneo is not a country, but uh, given oh. that you both answered the same, it doesn't really make Malaysia. any difference. The, uh, the the country is Malaysia. That's right. Mm. But uh, you both answered the same, so it doesn't make any difference. The <laughs> final round is over, and it was tense. The Jets picking up 90 points, bringing their total to 290. And uh, thanks to Ed White and uh, 150 points by the Minnows, uh, the final score for the Minnows is 325, making them today's cream of the crop. I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. The Minnow luckily outswam the shark. Just Just barely. Very, very lucky, though. Barely with a little bit of speed. But you know when you put that cake in the oven and just let it rise? Sometimes uh, the bakery works. Just let it crystallize, get a little bit of the... A nice color. This is the first time like I think we've won ever. That's not ever. true. <laughs> As our team. <laughs> no, literally <laughs> the last time we had a wager, you, Matt and I lost each other together. Oh, that's true. I guess that is true. Yeah. So the two of you have beaten us before. So we're a pretty good team. Yeah. This a is... groin-grabbingly good team, I would say, Matt. <laughs> well, I, th- no, I think it all came, all came down to Ed White, which was a uh, pretty good pull from kind Ken. Kind of amazing, yeah. That was, I mean, Ken pulled it out there, so he he, he knew it. Um well, so people always wonder what Ken's special category is. It's clearly, you know, uh, obscure that astronauts. I can produce from my ass. Yeah. From your privy. Yeah, from the privy. Producing from the privy <laughs> since 2017. Um, so, Bryden, thank you so much for being here. And, and you know how much we uh, love you here. And according to Ken Jennings, uh, he called your book Irresistible, a breezily written guided tour through the world of Australian quiz. So Ken Jennings thinks you're irresistible, um, just like we do. Thank you for hanging out with us. Sorry it took three years to get you back here. We'll have to get you back here much, much sooner. Maybe we'll have you play a game as well, but uh, any... Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll just have you win a game, I'd, I should I'd, rephrase. I'd, I'd, I'd probably actually go badly depending on you know who was writing the game because American sports, you know, there's certain American pop culture I'd probably do pretty badly with, so uh, I would keep my expectations low. All right. Well, we'd love to have you back uh, regardless, but uh, you wrote your book, uh, The Quiz Masters, Inside the World of Trivia, Obsession, and Million Dollar Prizes. And uh, we're really looking forward to it coming, but you have 368 pages of your book, but uh, in less than 368 pages, maybe just a few sentences, any final words you'd like to give the listeners? Oh yeah, look, I, I just hope that anyone who's uh, who's into their trivia and quizzing will get something out of the book because um, although it has a bit of an Australian focus, I think a lot of the the you know the themes of it are pretty universal. Of uh, you know that curiosity for knowledge that that we all have in trivia and you know finding quirky, interesting facts and and liking to be a bit competitive with it as well. Um, is I, I really do think that uh, there's a lot in there for for anybody who's into that. It's um, I believe it's available on Amazon and, and Book Depository for for uh, US 
um, readers and should be available as an ebook in the US probably by about the time this podcast comes out. If not, then uh, then within a few weeks. So um, keep an eye out for it. Thank you guys for having me on. I, I have uh, loved listening to the show virtually since it uh, since it started. I've been a very long time um, listener. And uh, just really appreciate what you what you guys have created here. So thanks for having me on again. Thank thanks you for, for coming back us, yeah. and hosting a great game. Yeah, and uh, we're happy that you were finally able to meet Matt. He isn't a robot, so you've you've met him. <laughs> That's right. Although uh, he he he's not in the same room as you, so you know, there's clearly something going on. Could just be. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that'll do it for today. Thanks again, Bryden, uh, for the hosts, Matt, Jeff, Neil, and myself. That was triviality. What's what's Alan Rickman's line from uh, <clears throat> "Kill You with a Spoon"? Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, I can't remember what it is. Something with the spoon. I, yeah, I don't believe that is in uh, Nicola Heaton's current job description. It's uh, yeah, cut your out out with a spoon or something like that. Yeah. <laughs>